Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. And I'm Paige Miller. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. Grain Farmers of Ontario is holding a virtual March Classic, March 22nd and 23rd. We want to thank our sponsors for continuing to support our organization and our event. Thank you, Bayer, Extendflex, and Tricepta, DeKalb, Greenfield Global, CCAN, and Syngenta Canada, Inc. In this episode of Grain Talk, I will speak with Brendan Burney, the new chair of Grain Farmers of Ontario's Board of Directors. And I will have a conversation with our CEO, Crosby Devitt. First, a Grain Talk news update. Grain Farmers of Ontario reminds all farmer members of the importance of using a licensed grain dealer. Farmers who sell grains and oil seeds to licensed dealers or store crops at elevator operators may be financially protected under the Grain Financial Protection Program. If a licensed dealer does not meet their payment or storage obligations within the agreed timeline, farmers who have not been paid for delivered grain within the timelines established under the Grains Act should contact Agricorp right away at 1-888-247-4999. If a dealer's grain license is suspended or surrendered, they cannot purchase or accept grain from Ontario farmers. Any contracts for purchase of grain with a dealer who does not hold a grain license are not subject to the Grains Act and regulations. Farmers who find themselves in this situation may choose to seek independent advice on dealing with unfulfilled contract. AgriCorp delivers the Grain Financial Protection Program on behalf of the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs and appoints a Chief Inspector to issue grain dealer licenses and performs dealer and elevator inspections. Visit agricorp.com for an up-to-date list of licensed grain dealers and elevator operators and to learn more about the Grain Financial Protection Program. The Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Crops, known as the CRSC, is leading the development of a voluntary grain industry code of practice called Responsible Grain. The purpose of Responsible Grain is to address consumers' and customers' priorities and to provide practical solutions that support farms in continual improvement. The CRSC sought input directly from farmers across Canada through public consultation November 2020 to February 2021. Grain Farmers of Ontario is a long-standing member of the CRSC. We were not involved in the creation of Responsible Grain, but actively participated in the public consultation. The CRSC will review all feedback from the Canada-wide public consultation and release a second draft of the Responsible Grain Code of Practice in the fall of 2021. A second consultation will follow. Grain Farmers of Ontario will continue to provide feedback on behalf of our membership to ensure the code is practical and widely adoptable. Congratulations to Ted Bongers from Williamsburg. He is the winner of our second early bird draw for March Classic Registrants. Ted wins a Grain Farmers of Ontario Carhartt jacket. The 2021 Virtual March Classic is just two weeks away. It takes place March 22nd and 23rd. There is still time to register for the event at gfo.ca. This year's March Classic includes a full speaker lineup, virtual exhibitor booths, and a chance to win some great prizes. The theme for this year's conference is Marching Ahead Together. Grain Farmers of Ontario is excited to try this new event format, and we look forward to connecting with our farmer members and industry partners. And now, here's my conversation with Brendan Burney. 
Crane Farmers in Ontario is holding a virtual March Classic, March 22nd and 23rd. We want to thank our sponsors for continuing to support our organization and our event. Thank you, Farm Credit Canada, John Deere Canada, BASF Canada Inc., Ingredient Canada Corporation, and Pioneer. This week on the podcast, we welcome the new chair of Grain Farmers of Ontario, Brendan Burney. Thank you for joining us, Brendan. No problem at all. Now, you were on our last podcast for a bit of a brief introduction, just shortly after the election where you officially became chair. And we wanted to bring you back on for more of an in-depth conversation. I want to start this conversation, though, just for those who didn't get a chance to listen to that last podcast, with a bit of an introduction of who you are. Can you tell us a bit about your farm operation and who you farm with? I'm down here in District 1, which is uh, Essex area. So I live just outside of the town of Essex. Uh, my, my father and family and I farm uh, about 1,100 acres down here. just corn, soybeans, and wheat. Uh, live on the, the farm with my wife. Uh, and I've got two high school kids. And just happy to, to be here representing farmers and, and doing my part to help out. You mentioned you're down in Essex, uh, which is District 1 for Grain Farmers of Ontario. You've been the director there now for a couple of years and involved in the uh, executive committee. Can you tell us a bit more about your time with Grain Farmers of Ontario's board of directors? Yeah, well, well, since the beginning of the Grain Farmers of Ontario, uh, I guess the inception, uh, there was a couple of guys down our way that were involved, Leo Gilbo and, and Dave Whaley on uh, soybean and wheat side that were helping put everything together. And I was uh, sitting on the soybean board at the time. So since the inception, I've been on our local board as a delegate. Uh, I was our chairman locally for quite a while. Uh, I've been a director for six years, on the executive for three. And uh, and here we are now with the, the chair position. And along the way, was able to even as a delegate serve on some committees and stuff. So, so yeah, quite a bit of involvement uh, over the years. Why did you want to be chair of Grain Farmers of Ontario? I think it kind of comes about organically i think when i first started i i just wanted to contribute and and help locally with with some of the the farm issues that were maybe at the table and once i got involved in the board i i started to look at it from more of a provincial uh view and and how i could help farmers across the province and here uh when we got on the executive for a few years i saw the work that marcus had done uh, i was friends with mark brock uh when he was chair and, and it just kind of came about that I thought this was a good fit and, and it came at the right time for myself. And I think I can be a positive voice in agriculture. So I, I was willing to, to let my name stand uh, for this spot. You mentioned Marcus Hurl, the previous chair, and Mark Brock, who was chair before him. Did either of them give you any advice when you took on this role? Uh, they've both been been very supportive over the years of, of stuff in general, uh, if there's any questions or, or comments that I've had and uh, I think in in looking back they've maybe just said like don't be afraid to to get involved and and see where it goes and I've kind of followed that path and I also know that there's people like that or, or even Henry Van Ankum that was a chair as well uh, that's still on the board there's a lot of experience around the table a lot of experience in the countryside and I'm not afraid to to ask for help when I might need it and, and it's nice to have those support pieces around as well. You mentioned support around the board table. I know there's also a new executive committee that's uh, working for Grain Farmers of Ontario now. Can you talk a little bit about who you'll be working with on the executive? Yeah, for sure. I think that we've got a, a very strong uh, executive. We've got kind of varied backgrounds and maybe some of our strengths, which is good as well. So so Jeff Harrison is uh, is our vice chair. 
as well as Scott Purcell. We have two vice chairs, our executive members, Josh Borgson. And uh, we essentially, we, we've carried over, I guess, with a few of the names from the previous executive. We've added Josh to it, a, a younger voice at the table maybe with us as well. And I think that in general, we, we work well together. We've had some pieces in the past that we've worked on and, and we all have kind of that that common goal of, of getting stuff done for farmers across the province. And we kind of share in the successes and work through any challenges well. So it works out uh, well and they're very strong representatives uh, at the table. Now, even though you've only been chair for just a few weeks, I know you've already been to several meetings, including one with Ernie Hardiman, the Ontario Minister of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs. How did that meeting go and what did you discuss? Yeah, it went very well. Uh, Minister Hardiman and myself have had a a decent relationship over the years. We've seen each other at a couple meetings at the the plowing match. Uh, I did a carbon tax roundtable maybe two years ago with him, as well as a mental health piece. So uh, it was one of those where when the the video link hit, he said, now I know exactly who they were talking about when they saw the name. I wasn't quite sure, but he recognized me right away. So we had a chuckle and uh, it was was a welcome call, but also a, a discussion on on some of the issues maybe in that agri-stability and RMP and uh, some carbon tax additional pieces just kind of mentioned and uh, with uh, a goal of following up on that. Uh, But the the government as a whole, the MPPs have been very receptive and and happy to talk to us uh, along the way for GFO. So we look forward to kind of continuing that uh, relationship. So how has that transition been with you taking, uh, you know, a leading role now in some of those big provincial and federal government relations issues that have been going on for several years now? You mentioned carbon tax, the business risk management. You know, how, how do you handle that transition? I think I try to just be open to learning. Uh, the first, uh, I guess we've done a, a pile of meetings that you lose track of over the last uh, few weeks here. But the first ones, you're kind of a little bit uh, more receptive to just hearing what the voice at the table are maybe saying and and chiming in a little bit. And I think with anything, as the comfort level grows, which I've even seen myself over the last few weeks, you get a little more comfortable in in voicing up and making sure that our voices are heard at the table. There's issues that affect our farmers, and I want them to to know that uh, any chance that I have to to express those views to somebody in a position to to help out or make change that I, I certainly will do and and have no issue in doing that on their behalf. So what do you think is the biggest issue that's facing grain farmers right now? I think in general, there's, there's a lot of different issues at play. I know a year ago, there was a lot of just uncertainty. There was a couple of really tough years on the farm down this way, uh, yield wise, maybe prices were not great. There's a lot of uncertainty kind of heading forward in the future on, on the carbon tax or clean fuel standard. And you want to make sure that you're proactively looking at, at what government might be proposing or putting in place while at the same time looking at the, the current issues that are on farm that you can help with, whether that's the risk management or some mental health pieces. Uh, you find ways to, I guess, have those small, medium and long-term goals. And I'm very good at, uh, I've been very good in the past at looking at kind of big picture and how can this affect myself or or people around me. So I I think I bring that to the table as well with the uh, the farmers in our province. Now, I guess along that, Grain Farmers of Ontario recently released a new strategic plan, one that specifically mentions diversity, equality and inclusion. How do you as chair plan to address those issues within the grain industry and within our own organization? 
I think in general, my, my goal at the beginning is to spend more time listening about it than maybe that I'm talking about it, trying to get an understanding so that I approach it organically from a, a point of view from people that have experienced these issues and then just find ways that, that I can help. Cause uh, having a, a voice at the table uh, in this respect, like I do uh, any ways that I can help people across the province who, who maybe feel marginalized and are in our farmer member group. I certainly want them to know that whether they grow uh, 10 acres or, or 10,000 acres, there are issues that pertain to you specifically. And I want to make sure that we can try to help out uh, where we can. I know another big issue that uh, you're involved with is the aspect of mental health and farmer wellness. And I know you were on the uh, health and wellness committee uh, for Green Farmers of Ontario, which I don't think gets as much publicity maybe as, say, our market development or research committees. Can you tell us about that committee and why um, that topic is important for you? Yeah, I think it's it's relatively new, the, the committee over the last uh, maybe two, three years where we formed it. Um, my, the sole purpose for, for me of speaking up on mental health is that I've went through things that I don't want our farmer members to have to go through. Um, I lost a, a friend who uh, didn't see a, a path out, I guess, uh, in this mental health sphere. I, I've had issues that I've helped out uh, with my, my wife's mental health. And I don't want people to have to learn the way that I did, kind of on the fly and, and trying to sort it out for yourself. I, I think that it's best if we have kind of a support system and, and we can get people talking about some of their, their stresses or issues on the farm. And if there are ways to help, that we can certainly do so. So I think that we've got a, a good little start with the, the health and wellness. And I think we have a webinar on the 11th of March that'll be coming uh, out that people can sign up for. But it's more or less, I kind of look at the aspect of, looking at all of our farmers uh, in this equation. So kind of from the, the seeding and, and harvest level to the, the financial level to the, the stresses that come with mental health. So any ways that I can help across that spectrum, I'm more than willing to do so. How do you see Grain Farmers of Ontario as playing a role, I guess, within the broader agriculture industry to either address these government relations issues or the, the farm level specific issues? I think a big thing is just making sure that you've got a seat at the at the table. And, and once you're there, you can make change. And I, I find that we, we get a lot of ideas put forth. And if we can kind of put them in a, a way that speaks the language of the government that's in power, and they kind of understand it through their lens as to how it might affect us, I think that's important. Uh, we can't just get isolated and, and think of the, the view that we have as being the only view that's, that's there or right. We need to, to consider outcomes and, and work towards a, a better solution for our farmers, as well as getting that understanding of the people that are maybe in power and, and putting forth some of these legislations and whatnot. Do you have any specific goals that you want to achieve during your time as chair? Well, the one thing that I've noticed is that uh, as a chair, I think you can probably set goals, but you have to be pretty fluid. So I guess my, my goal is at the end of the, the time that I'm in chair is to leave the organization set up in a, a better spot than, than when I took the chair, um, kind of keep that legacy piece going forward so that it's in a good spot and, and be able to, to make change and help wherever I can. So I, I know I, I get into uh, discussing the, the mental health aspects and this new inclusivity and diversity piece, but there's also uh, a big part of me that, that looks at the farm economics and how those stresses play out. So I think that's the the big thing for me is making sure that we kind of encompass the, 
the membership in the best way possible to to cover off their their overall well-being whether that be at a farm level or their uh, their physical or mental health as well as their financial successes you've been fairly active on social media um, you're at hey Brendan on Twitter do you plan to continue your online engagement and, and do you see social media as a valuable tool it's like anything I think it's a tool in the toolbox and at this time uh, I, I do use the I've got my Instagram account and my my Twitter and Facebook, and I think they're important. But at the same time, uh, I want people to know you might see me on there for stretches and then not on there for a while. But I, I am listening and trying to, to wade through everything. I think everything has its place. But at times, uh, any of these social media pieces can become distracting or uh, or more of a, a nuisance than maybe they're they're necessarily worth. So when productive and I can spread a good message or come across in a certain way, knowing that government is, is maybe paying attention to what we're saying on our social media feeds. Uh, that's where I think I'll be able to spot in and do stuff like that. But I'm very open to using the tools that are available uh, to make sure that our, our message is out to our farmers or to anybody that we need, we need to hear it. COVID-19 has obviously impacted the way that we're able to do outreach to our farmer members and connect with them. How have you found that the pandemic has affected your ability to, you know, be a director for your district? And how do you see it impacting your beginning time as chair? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good question because it, it can be a very isolating time um, during these COVID, uh, this year, this last year and this piece that we still have in front of us. And I think for myself, uh, I've always been pretty good at checking in on people and, and kind of reaching out and, and making sure that people are doing okay or how are they doing. And so that's continued. And so I've tried to keep different communication ways open and uh, I'm open to doing so in the future. And, and I encourage others to do the same. Reach out to your friends, see how they're doing. There are some people that are naturally going to uh, be introverts and kind of stay uh, in that shell, but at times checking in and just asking how they're, how they're doing can be a very important uh, thing. How do you connect with farmers in other parts of the province? As we've mentioned, you're, you're in Essex in the Southwest. How do you make a connection with the farmer members uh, that you're working for now that are, say, Northern or Eastern Ontario? Well, in past uh, experiences, we'd have been able to do a bit of traveling and, and meeting up at different, uh, like whether it was the local meetings, showing up in different districts and connecting them with a name and a face that they now see around the table. Um, in this time, I've, I've got some ideas. I, I, people were able to see me speak on uh, the policy day and they'll see me speak again at March Classic. And at the same time, I'm, I'm very accessible. So my email and my phone number are easy to find on, on our site and people can always reach out to me with, with issues. Uh, and we do try, I try to do a good job of connecting, I guess, with the directors and, and having them tell me what's going on in their district will be helpful as well. I know as well, you've mentioned in the past that um, you're looking forward to having, I guess, a, a good working relationship with the staff members of Green Farmers of Ontario. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I think that especially in this last year, I guess it's we used to kind of come across staff at uh, at events and some of us would maybe help out in booths or, or different things like that at uh, fairs or shows. And I think we have a tremendous staff. We have a lot of really, really bright people working on our behalf. And sometimes there's maybe a disconnect between 
um, the board and the staff. And in this case, where we haven't been able to see each other for essentially a year, um, you get a little bit of that. But I think that uh, in general, there's it comes with the territory where you want to make sure that staff know that, that the board certainly appreciates all the work that they do on behalf of the board and the membership. And at the same time, maybe staff has an understanding of why some decisions came about or or what we we're looking to achieve. So I'm kind of open that way to to working with Crosby and, and working forward with uh, managers or however it sees fit in terms of ideas or helping out wherever it's possible. But I guess the long and the short of it is you just want to make sure that the people that are doing work for, say, me as a farmer, not necessarily even as a, a director or a chair, that they're they're recognized and they know that their input's very valuable and and thank and we very much appreciate and thank them for that. You mentioned obviously you're you're a farmer first. <laughs> As we head into spring, I know being in the depths of winter right now with some recent storms, that's maybe not at the top of mind spring weather. But um, what are you hoping for this season as as we start to head into that spring planting time period? Well, I always see springtime as kind of that hopeful piece of the the puzzle. By us going into the fields and you put a seed in the ground and expect a result months later, my hope is just that we're maybe seeing some of the uh, and that uh, our farmer members don't uh, experience too many weather events during springtime and they're able to get the the fields planted in a timely manner and and we kind of proceed through the, the rest of the season. Well, I really want to thank you for the time that you spent with us today, Brendan. It was great to have a conversation to get to know you a bit better. And we look forward to hearing from you with your regular updates once a month here on the Green Talk podcast. No problem at all. And, and thank you very much. And, and like I say, thank you to the, the strong board of directors we have and to the members across the province for everything that, that they continue to do. And, and I look forward to eventually uh, being in person at, at some events and getting to make those connections. Grain Farmers of Ontario is holding a virtual March Classic, March 22nd and 23rd. We want to thank our sponsors for continuing to support our organization and our event. Thank you, AgriCorps, Spirits Canada, University of Guelph OAC Dean's Office and Department of Plant Agriculture, MNP, Pride Seeds, and Roberts Farm Equipment, New Holland. Joining me today on the podcast is CEO Crosby Devitt. Welcome, Crosby. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to uh, sit and talk with me and kind of catch up. Hi, Paige. It's great to speak with you. So things have been quite busy, I know, in your sphere, uh, especially on the international side. Um, You mentioned earlier that you you were a part of a trade mission. Do you kind of want to talk about what that trade mission was and who that trade mission was with? Yeah, so Grain Farmers of Ontario is a is an active member of Soy Canada, which is the organization that represents uh, soybean industry across Canada and internationally. And um, normally, the organization would host uh, tra- or uh, conduct trade missions in in some of our key countries promoting Canadian soybeans. But of course, this year, uh, that's not possible to do uh, to actually travel. So. The organization uh, pivoted a bit and conducted a virtual trade mission um, with Japanese soybean buyers of, of Canadian soybeans and uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it went really well. And has this been the only international trade mission that you've been a part of in the past kind of year, or has there been others too? There's There's been more uh, 
there hasn't been any, you know, physical trade missions or uh, travel to our markets. Right. But certainly there's been lots of touch points with our, you know, with with customers uh, through, you know, the direct sellers and buyers. But also there's been some some work with Cereals Canada as well on the wheat promotion side as well. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so another interesting thing that happened last week was the second passing of the private members bill C206. So what does that mean for Green Farmers of Ontario's farmer members? Yes, so there's a private members bill uh, put forward by uh, Member of Parliament Philip Lawrence that uh, is proposing to exempt uh, grain drying from uh, having to pay the carbon tax and and uh, Grain Farmers of Ontario is very supportive of that of that bill. Uh, having additional taxes on something like grain drying is just not sustainable and it's not possible for farmers to pass on or absorb those costs effectively. So uh, if that passes, uh, which we're very hopeful uh, that something can happen there, uh, it would be very significant and it would mean that farmers uh, would not have to pay carbon tax on their grain drying, uh, which, which uh, can be a, a major expense and something of concern. Yeah, I've seen some of the bills fly around on social media and the $13,000 that I've seen on some of them is wild to add that onto something that, you know, feeds the people and it goes into so many different industries as well. It's a it's a big percentage of the of the cost and it's uh set to escalate in coming years, which is even more concerning. Uh you know, by 2030 uh as currently proposed, it could be up to $50 an acre for uh, carbon tax alone on grain drying uh, if nothing's changed. So clearly something something has to, and we're confident it will change and uh, protect farmers' livelihoods that way. Yeah, that's hopefully that gets passed and it, it makes things a little bit easier for our farmer members across Ontario. Um, speaking of a little happier note, the March Classic is only two weeks away. Um, and we're still on a bit of a push to get members to register. So what, what do you think you could say to kind of help get those numbers up and get people to register for March Classic? Well, we've got an amazing program, uh, March 22nd and 23rd, uh, top notch speakers. Uh, we've got the U.S. Farm Report that's going to be, uh, conducting a live show, uh, we've got Althea Raj talking about the political situation. So it's not going to be uh, just another Zoom call. It's going to be an event. <laughs> and uh, I know we have, uh, I believe we have hundreds of people already registered. Uh, but the good thing about a virtual event is that uh, we can accommodate more. And so uh, if, if you're interested, uh, it is going to be a great event and something not to miss. So I encourage everyone uh, that's listening that might have an interest in it, uh, take a look at the website. It's easy to sign up. There's no charge. And uh, there's prizes for people as well. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. We're going to have lots of sponsors and good information. Uh, So I just just think it's uh, in a world where we're all a little bit uh, tired of the computer, don't pass it by as a result of that. You'll be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> awesome. Great. Well, thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to sit and chat with me. I appreciate it. And I hope you have a great day. Thanks, Paige. Great speaking with you. Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, 
go to gfo.ca slash green talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Brendan Burney and Crosby Devitt. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.